Hey guys, and welcome back to episode two of William SB Talk Sports. That's the official name now, I guess. I'm going with it for now. Uh, today we're actually doing a motorsports edition. So it's William SB Talk Motorsports. And this is another person I go way back with. Actually, even farther back than my previous guest, Alex Hobson. Uh, this is Jonathan Field of the Racing Experts, who I've known for about 15 years, probably, or so. So yeah. how's it going, Jonathan? <laughs> I can't believe it's been 15 years. That's crazy. That's awesome. I'm doing good. How you doing, man? I know. I'm doing good. It's been, We've known each other 15 years, but probably haven't really talked in like eight. So it's been a while. Yeah. Because I know you hit me up and you're like, hey, man, like, I know you're doing some NASCAR stuff. I want to talk NASCAR. Let, let's, let's hop on Zoom. And I'm like, let's do it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah I, admittedly, for everybody listening, uh, my NASCAR knowledge is probably about 10 years old at this point. So <laughs> I haven't kept up with it very well. So I figured what better way to get back into it than talking to one of the racing experts. Hey, so, yeah. Yeah. That was a good transition. Huh? <laughs> that was a good trip. <laughs> I was not ready for that. But, but actually, here's a fun fact. I was talking to him about this beforehand. So obviously now I'm in hockey media, which is my main thing, and some other stuff that is still in the works that'll be coming probably this summer but my first ever article that i wrote was actually for the racing experts i don't think it's there anymore and i don't <laughs> remember what it was except for it was about marco sambros uh, but i was probably like 15 when i wrote it so it probably was mm -hmm. not great <laughs> but uh yeah it's kind of crazy how everybody in that group uh went a different direction. Like we were talking about Stephen Ellis, who is mm -hmm. now a daily face off and a bunch of other stuff. My uh, former sim racing that... driver. Yeah. On the team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were like all in this group and it's weird how everybody's gone a different direction. I mean, you went the most logical route from where we were <laughs> uh, going into NASCAR from a NASCAR video game group, which I guess makes sense. But um, yeah, it's been quite a while. I remember like we were talking about the viral clip from 12 years ago. Oh, that is basically synonymous <laughs> oh, with my man. name in that community for some reason now. Uh, <laughs> like every time I say anything with anybody who's in that community, that's where it goes to. So uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you have that clip uh, queued up, right, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And like, honestly, like even to this day, like I still. I whenever I see your name, I still think of like this particular meme. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that has followed me around for quite a while, actually. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about your story getting in the media. So, of course, back when we knew each other really well, it was back when we were playing uh, NASCAR racing 2003 season and. You're in all those leagues and just racing pretty much every week because as a teenager, you have a ton of time to do basically whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, from there, you and I always say his name, last name wrong, and he corrected me about it every five minutes, was uh, Dominic, is it Artagon? Artagon. Artagon. So I always, I, don't, I always try to say it right, and it always comes out wrong because I can't like roll my R's. But you and him, I remember were is the ones who basically started it, if I remember correctly, with the racing experts. And it looks like it's taken you pretty far at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
obviously we both came from UNSR ultimate NASCAR sim racing, which if we actually took that uh, to like legitimately, we probably would have caught a lawsuit, but um, the name, but um, <laughs> we were teenagers back in the day, of course, it was fun. I remember like we also all kind of came from like the YouTube community as well. And I, I remember Don messaged me on YouTube one day and was like, Hey man, like, I got this racing site that, you know, I'm, I'm starting up, you know, would you want to come right for it? And I'm like, sure, that sounds, that sounds cool. And so uh, I did some articles. Uh, I think one of the first ones you remember your, one of your first ones. I remember <laughs> one of my first ones <laughs> was like how Sunday could save the sport. And it was something to do with like the 2010 cup series finale. And, I don't remember what it was about, but I remember like the picture had like a picture of like Kevin Harvick in it or something like his car. So, but um, yeah. And then I did that for a little bit, 2010, 2012. And then it was kind of on and off from like 2013 to 2018. And then uh, 2018, we met up at Kansas Speedway, met each other for the first time in person, covered the race weekend together, had a lot of fun, had a great time. And then, did it again 2019 and then once um covid hit and nascar started opening up you know some of the zooms and opening up access uh we got in some of the post-race zooms and started doing more and more and more and just expanding i i guess my part my part personally started expanding more uh with the race experts and then did more in 2022, 2023. And now here we are. And I mean, credit where credit's due. Dom's been, you know, holding down the fort the whole time and keeping this thing going. He's, uh, he, he's a, he, he's a, a real one. We'll say. <laughs> yeah. I know he has a lot going on lately. I think he has a book coming out with Jeff Bedine. I think it was. Yeah. But it's crazy. Like just because when I think of, Tom, I just think of like a 14 year old still. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... uh, me, me too. And like, it's crazy because when I first moved out to New Mexico here about two and a half years ago, um, he was just like kind of like a, a single bachelor sort of dude or whatever. And now like I go to his place and he's got a wife and a kid and all this. And I'm like in his own home. And I'm like, wow, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this has changed very quickly. Yeah. Uh, so what brought you into the NASCAR world, essentially? Like, I remember, I think we talked about this when we were younger, but it's been so long, I don't remember. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, so 2001, my mom and dad moved to this, like, starter-up home in Twin Valley, Minnesota, northwest Minnesota. Um, my parents always like to tell me the story about how when I first saw the house, I cried. <laughs> Not a good sign, but... <laughs> When my dad was working on the home one day, uh, August 2002, some somehow I was a three year old kid. I can't I can't believe it. Uh, looking back on it, like 21 years later, but I guess I was scrolling through the channels and I landed on NASCAR race. It was like a rerun or whatever, and it was the 2002 Pennsylvania 500. And the first thing I ever saw was Dale Jr. and Steve Park. You, you probably remember this crash, Dale Jr. Steve Park. Oh yeah, the, that was the big Steve Park crash, right? That was a big, yeah, yeah. The yeah, one, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Like flipping everything, grass flying everywhere, and so I, I 
funny enough, I'm not the biggest fan of crashes. So I, I don't, I don't know if it was that that got me hooked or what it was, but um, later that year I saw like Jimmy Johnson's show car. And then it was just on from there. Uh, my first driver I ever met was uh, Kurt Busch in 2004, early 2004, before he won the championship. I've got a autographed hero card and um, there's a photo of me attached to like that hero card where like I'm reaching across the t- I, my little arms. Now I'm about <laughs> I couldn't have been any higher than that table. And I was reaching my arms across the table. I'm looking back at my mom who's taking the picture with like the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, wow, this is you see this like <laughs> and Kurt's just looking with like he's like, yeah, good. Good to meet you. It's cool to meet you. Kind of look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so. i that's one thing that's kind of weird to me is like i live in california and as you would imagine like there's a lot of nascar traveling through here like especially when they would go from like auto club to sonoma and, or wherever mm-hmm. and which i don't think they actually ever did directly but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, like whenever they were in this area they traveled through here but like i think there were a couple meet and greets in my town but i never actually met a driver and wow. it was kind of weird like yeah which is kind of was weird to me when i got into hockey media because this is my first year doing that so like the first few preseason games i was like i have no idea what i'm doing i don't <laughs> like it feels so out of place huh. and then all of a sudden it's like four months later and now i'm just so like it's just my life being around nhl players and it just feels normal did you ever get to that point, like with NASCAR drivers, where you were like at first kind of like, okay, this is weird that I'm here, and now it's just yeah. normal? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I remember the the first race weekend was Kansas, and like just going under the tunnel for the first time and driving the car, and was like, whoa, this is this is cool. This is like whoa, insane, and like I, I mean. And also being on the grid, being in the garage and all that, it, it had that that like same feeling, you know, just being right with the action. And honestly, like even to this day, I I won't lie. I still kind of get that feeling where it's like you're standing on the grid after you know getting some of your interviews and stuff and you're looking around like this is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it's something like, you, you know, like you should never lose, you know, because like, you yeah. know, you, you think of like how many other people get this opportunity and, you know, you think of like the work you're doing, the stories you're telling, like if you're passionate about it, like that, that makes the storytelling even better. You know, I think it's someone you should never lose sight of. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of forget is there's one thing to be like a straight up news reporter where you're just telling the facts, but I feel like most people in sports journalism are jobs to tell a story mm-hmm. rather than just because really who wants to listen, basically read a textbook about NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh. I, well, actually there's probably some people who would like, I'm sure you might do it for the research, but <laughs> I'd, write, I'd write a textbook if they were going to teach a history in NASCAR college <laughs> class. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, like, it's crazy. Just, thinking about how much unfolds in front of you and it's a great feeling being able to relay that to people who might not have been able to see it or weren't able to be there and it's really like a time capsule in a way yeah um if you can remember the name feel free to chime in but uh the guy who wrote 
the last great American hero, the the column on uh, Junior Johnson, I think it was for the New York Times. Um, just I, I remember back in, in, in J school, you know, like our sports journalism teacher taught us about that. Tom Wolf, Tom Wolf's essay, the last great American hero is Junior Johnson. Yes. Like that's what's cool about like sports journalism is like it, it's so I guess like when you consider in like the context of life, like sports is such like a a getaway of sorts you know you can be a little more like you know for example i i wrote a piece today on uh global men's basketball they won like a game big game one night and it was like yeah like house he dunked that you know threes in and he slammed that in there and now they go on where they're looking slick and you know you can use all these like fun terms because that i mean like you said like it's like that, that just kind of conveys like that passion while telling the facts, you know, we're more like, you know, news where if you get like a shooting or, you know, something like that, where it's a little more like you have to be, you know, very grounded, very, you know, hard nosed facts. But yeah, I mean, that's just a beauty of sports, you know, in life. Yeah. It, it really is. And it's for me, it's a little bit differently because or different as mm. I should know, since I am technically a journalist now <laughs> uh, but that actually ties up my point was i actually never really went to like a journalism school or anything like that i went to my four-year university got a degree in business mainly because i didn't know what i wanted to do and then somehow i ended up a working in a mechanic shop which is my current day job and b uh writing about hockey which i mean Obviously, it's not what I ever expected. Uh, <laughs> it just kind of happened. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, that kind of speaks to, like, you know, the media core. You know, you think of, like, people who are in there, you know, grinded out all the time. But sometimes, I mean, you have people who, for example, I know a buddy of mine, uh, Brian Nolan. He lives up. It, do, you, do you remember Brian? Was he ever part I, of our speed? I don't think so. I'll, I, I'll be honest. I forgot a lot of names over the course of the last 10 years, to be honest with you. So he might have been. A, a lot is. Yeah. A lot is changed. He was, but. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, Brian Nolan, like, um, he works, you know, landscaping up in, in Boise. He's got his own thing going on. He goes to races and, you know, he covers NASCAR. And I mean, it, it's interesting to see how, like, you know, you can have like a certain career and you can still like branch away and, you know, go cover the sport, you know, and build it. I mean, and cover any sport in particular and build it into something that, you know, eventually can be, you know, your own business, your own enterprise. Like I look at uh, people like Toby Christie, you know, how he has built a site up so much, you know, in NASCAR to now he's got different partnerships and he's out there, you know, really making things happen and honestly, I, I look at people like that and it's like, you know, it's an inspiration, you know, to know that this is possible. Yeah. And really, that's the thing is this is a business that can be very discouraging at times. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if I could be doing my hockey writing full time, I have no doubt that's what I would be doing. Yeah. But event the, and I don't think a lot of people realize this is when you are in sports media, for a long period of time, you have to kind of just do that as a side thing to start out with. Yeah. It's not something you can just apply for and you're instantly like a beat writer for whatever. 
Hmm. and you're just being flown all these places and <laughs> going <laughs> everywhere. It, it's really like you start from the bottom. Yeah. It's ironic I say that when the first press box I've ever been in was in the NHL. But... <laughs> <laughs> but not too shabby of a start you know like yeah i mean i (laughs) guess i probably should have started a lower level but i I guess i'll admit when i so when i applied for my credential the way it worked for my website i don't know how much i'm allowed to say about this so i might go super in depth but basically we talked to our credential manager and then they basically say yeah we'll apply for you or we're gonna wait you're not ready yet and so I just put in the apply because I was like, you know what? I want to see what this whole process is because I'm curious. And then like a month later, like, hey, we're moving forward with it. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, because admittedly in the past, uh, I haven't been the most consistent, <laughs> mm. like, which I think goes way back. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I wasn't the most consistent when we were doing the sim racing and all that either. I just got to show up whenever I felt like it. Mm. Um and like there have been multiple times where I would go like a month without posting anything or anything like that. And I'm just glad they saw the potential there because that really allowed me to take it to the next level when I didn't even expect it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you talk about it like being a grind and I think the grind is worth it, you know, because I remember, I mean, same case, like first time ever being you know, in the interior, it was kind of like I went there and I was like, okay, we're, how do I get to pit road? How do I get here? How do I do this? What not, you know, how do I stick my bike in, you know, to, to be able to get good sound, you know, how, how should I approach it? You know, like there's all these like different questions that go through your head that kind of make you feel like you're kind of walking on eggshells, you know, but with like more time, I guess this applies to anything in life, like more time, just doing it more time, like, uh, just letting people see your face and become more familiar. It's like it, it starts to open up doors and it starts to open up opportunities to where you can, you know, the like I imagine you you are probably doing, you know, with the sharks. It's like you can walk in there and just say, oh, OK, you know, this is the track. This is my place. I'm going to do X, Y and Z. You know, let's do this. It, it, it's a weekend, you know, and you feel more confident yeah. and, and people start to notice that. Yeah, and it like okay. So the first time I ever covered a game, it was preseason earlier this year, and mm-hmm. they were playing the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. So essentially, the way it works after the game, we go down to the locker room to do the post game availability. Uh, I didn't know how to get to the locker room, oh, so no. I went I went downstairs, and I just kind of like I was like, okay, there's a bunch of people going this way, so I follow them, and it turns out I was at the wrong locker room. I went to the Vegas Golden Knights locker room. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, well, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but that's not where I want to be. Uh (laughs) So I have to, like, run, like, sprint three quarters of the way around the entire building to get to the other locker room. And I was late. So I didn't get in to talk to the players, but I got to talk to the coach. (laughs) It it was definitely interesting, and I've learned my way. Um, But, yeah, that was... Uh, something interesting to learn but now i know where i'm going so yeah like it that's the important part and like Mm -hmm. it's always interesting just Mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure out like where you're supposed to be those first few days is always a nightmare Mm. uh uh, como city say uh trial by fire (laughs) pretty much yeah and 
like it's the thing like uh in sports media there's nobody really showing you around i don't know if you no. had that experience like you just kind of they're like here here's your pass go do what you need to do and it's yeah unless you're lucky and have someone who's done it before working it with you from the same publication or something along those lines mm-hmm. you're pretty much not going to know anybody there nobody's mm-hmm. going to know that it's your first time there really yeah. and nobody's really going to be have time to stop and help you like you just have to figure it out and if you have questions find somebody to ask <laughs> it's pretty much what it comes down to yeah yeah i mean gosh like i'm just, i'm just thinking back of like kansas 2018 i i know the way we set up the weekend was um dom kind of wanted me and like to get into different parts of just the operation so you know photography uh, with the writing, you know, with like the press conferences, like all the different, you know, components of it. Um, and I mean, that was, that was a big help, but you know, even like, man, I remember just like, you can probably relate to this too. Like the first couple times asking a question in like the press conference or whatever, you know, and you're just like, like, like you said, you know, it's like, you know, you're new and it, it, there's kind of like this, like, you know, under a mic microscope kind of feeling, you know, that like when you ask a question, like everybody in the room's like, oh gosh, oh gosh, this yeah. is the new guy. Like, what is he going to say? What is he going to ask? And like, it feels like that pressure lifts over time, you know? And again, like with people just recognizing you and become more familiar, but right at first, like to break through that, it's just like, oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it is rough because there's always that feeling too of wanting to kind of give some leeway to the more senior writers who are there who have been doing it for a long time, I feel like, mm-hmm. because you don't want to step on anybody's toes at first. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think NASCAR is a little bit different, probably. Do they kind of just call on people or do they just kind of step mm-hmm. in? Well, um, usually from what I've noticed is usually you'll get, you know, the they always prioritize the partners you know you're talking about mrn prn fox nbc you know they off not i i would say they probably you know like i not so much maybe the partners you know in like the media center but like when you get into the media center i think i think it's more like you know for example like bob pockris if he raises his hand you know he's gonna go first because i mean bob is you know Bob is Bob. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Bob is Bob. Like, you know, if he's got a question, he's going to get in there and NASCAR knows that. And there's just, everybody just kind of knows that kind of like what you're talking about, with like the senior writers, you know, and like on, like I was saying with like some of the partners, like on pit road, like the Fox, NBC, PRN, MRN, they're going to get in there first just cause you know, they've paid a lot of money to, you know, yeah. be able to be there. So, you know, there's that understanding or not, but I mean, it's, there's definitely some good opportunities to get in there and answer and ask some questions. You know, I think like, like I said, like when you're first starting now, I think the doors open a little bit, you know, but it's, it, it feels like it starts to open up more just so the more time you spend, the more, I guess, connections you make, the more, you know, the questions you ask, things you do, um, they're they're pretty good about that, you know, like carving a path through. I mean, credit where credit's due to NASCAR for, for everything. I mean, just what they've done to, you know, 
give us access to, you know, let us come in and gosh, just build up what we're doing. It's cool. That was very long winded, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. Well, the reason I asked that is because the way they do it, I'm sure it's different from different NHL teams, but so the San Jose Sharks, they're not a traditional hockey market. It's yeah. probably the best way to put it. So there's not as much coverage as you would say in C or C and say Toronto, Montreal, somewhere like that. So hmm. it's kind of like a general scrum where it's whoever's up asks the question. Like you just one question to the other. They don't really call on people. Yeah. So you have to try to butt your way in there, which when you're first starting is like, okay, I don't want to cut off this guy. I don't want to cut off this guy. But <laughs> then you kind of realize, okay, maybe I kind of have to. Uh-huh. And it <laughs> it's kind of intimidating the first few times. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, oh yeah. Like I, I've seen some of the like, because I, I like watching the wild, and I've seen like some of the they'll show the post game thing or whatever, and it's like I will go to questions. Hey. Uh, Jimbo or whatever, like, hey, like Ovechkin, <laughs> like, you know, what do you think about this? And then, like, it, it's crazy because, like, yeah, it's I don't intense. think I've ever, yeah, I don't think I've ever encountered that in like a NASCAR media center. Yeah, because I think NASCAR generally, it's a little bit different because you don't have a bunch of different things happening all over the country. It's every NASCAR reporter is in the same place. Yeah. So, like, they probably have what. Like, I'd imagine, like, close to 100 media members there at to ask questions. Yeah, they're, and yeah, they're about. So, compared to that, us, usually when we have in the locker room, we have maybe like six or seven. So, <laughs> it's just a little less, uh, a little more chaotic. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they don't want to, especially since it is on TV and all that, they don't want to slow things down unnecessarily. And they just kind of want it to go flow naturally. Which, when you're new to that environment, can be very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's, you know, uh, in the media center, they do, like, different scrums. So off, sometimes it's, like, the top 30 in points, top 25 in points, sometimes playoff drivers, etc. Um, and that's the time when it, it turns into those scrums. You know, where everybody gathers around, you just fire a question out there. Um, just cause we only have so much time and yeah, it, it was the same thing, same thing. It was like, you have to get into like, you have to like know the cues and just like, yeah, totally hundred yeah, percent relate. And there's so many times I'll see like two people start asking a question at once and it's like, who's going to give up first here? <laughs> like who's <laughs> going to be the nice one? <laughs> uh, you're shooting oh, daggers at each other. They do. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's. I like. I don't think anybody actually is mad at it. It's just more yeah. like it's nobody really likes being cut off, even if it's unintentional. And like, of course, they're doing it to each other, so it kind of <laughs> counteracts it. But it's just kind yeah. of interesting to watch from that dynamic. Yeah. But like, one thing I will say is, I'm sure it's the same way in NASCAR because everybody I've seen in that field seems great. Like, it's crazy how welcoming an environment like media is. Yeah. It, like because i would imagine like before i was thinking like everybody's in competition like people aren't gonna be nice to each other you know like they're fighting for views and all this stuff but in reality everybody's great (laughs) yeah oh yeah i remember shoot i remember there's been times where uh i think it was like 
picking the tires we work with, like Jerry Jordan and and whatnot, like where uh, I think, man, I think there was some sort of sound Jerry or somebody needed or like there was something we missed. And it was just simply like go over there and be like, hey, did, did you catch that? Like, did you get that? Oh, yeah, man. Like, let me I, I can help you out with that or whatever. You know, like there's just some of those things. There's like that camaraderie that's there. That's really cool. Yeah, it really was unexpected for me. But yeah. I feel like now we should probably actually get into the actual <laughs> racing. That we're, like, Wait, what, what is racing? What is racing? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't know. It's been a while for me to watch it. So, <laughs> like, we were going through, before off the air, we were going through who the most recent NASCAR champion I could remember was. Yeah. And actually, I did pretty well. And you did? Surprisingly. I was yeah. very surprised at that, uh, but I'll be honest. Any, I couldn't tell you who was second. I couldn't tell you who was third. Like I have no <laughs> clue beyond that. Like I, I barely remembered Ryan Blaney was the most recent champion. Uh, <laughs> but so I guess I should start on saying why I kind of fell out of NASCAR and like what caused that. So it's I think it was around the time the stages got introduced, and it was just a massive change. Like, I don't, obviously, it's hard to say it was a bad change for the sport because I don't think it was in the long run. But when you're used to something and then all of a sudden it changes, it's very difficult, especially because I was a teenager at the time. You don't like change. (laughs) You, like, find comfort in everything being the same. And I think the way it's worked now, it's actually worked really well for the sport from an outsider's perspective. It kind of keeps things competitive later on compared to there were times when you have like five cars on the lead lap at the end of a race. <laughs> and now I feel like, obviously I don't see every race, but it feels like that's more balanced. Would I be correct in saying that? I, I think like the biggest thing the stages have done is it's really created a lot of competition, like within the race. And especially, you know, when you consider the stage points, it's really rewarded like drivers who run well throughout the race. Cause Oh my goodness. And you probably remember this too. Like, some drivers would lead, you know, 200 some laps, dominate the race. You get to 20 to go, they pop a tire and they have nothing to show for besides like laps led, which, you know, was maybe a point or two or something like that. Whereas like now it's like, you know, even if like a driver finishes 33rd or something, you know, they can still boost themselves up to like the 13th most points of the day just because they ran so well. And also too, I think like, you know, you talk about the stages and the playoffs and how that's all interconnected. Like it it really feels like right now what we have is a system that is kind of like a nice balance between like the old kind of like Winston cup series format where it's like the best drivers of the season get rewarded for the performance throughout the season and kind of that randomness of the playoffs. Cause I mean, we saw in like, 2014 to 2016 where I mean 2014 Brad Kozlowski Jeff Gordon you know two two guys who should have been shoe-ins with the results even into the round where they got eliminated they should have been in the championship race and they didn't you know you saw you know guys like Joey Logano Matt Kenseth 2015 2016 you know Brad Kozlowski Martin Turks Jr. Kevin Harvick I mean all these different drivers who had great performances who when it got down to crunch time it it didn't matter which you know, was completely unfair, which, you know, inspired these changes and everything. So I think it's, it's worked out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Cause there's nothing worse than 
a driver leading with like one to go dominated the race and then somebody bumps them they spin out and turn one and then their night's just over they finish like 30th and they get nothing like yeah. that was always terrible <laughs> yeah and i feel like now with the stages too it kind of pushes away from people wanting to i mean obviously nobody wants to wreck each other but it kind of gets rid of less reward for doing that like mm-hmm. if say you accidentally bump somebody turn them and you win the race it's not going to matter as much if that person had already accrued points earlier on mm-hmm. so it kind of makes it so people aren't doing shady stuff <laughs> yeah but i mean when, yeah, no matter what when you get bumped out of the lead with one lap to go <laughs> yeah it, it's not gonna be pretty but <laughs> i feel like there's slightly less anger Still a lot of anger, but <laughs> well, and that's the thing too that's kind of I think for most outsiders a little more difficult to understand about NASCAR mm-hmm. is of course now it's safer than ever. But racing in general is very dangerous. And I think a lot of people forget yeah. that. It's yeah. So it makes sense why being wrecked at any time would make anybody very angry. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you you go back to 2022, uh, I think their NASCAR really had a wake-up call with, like, the introduction of the Gen 7 car, you know, and, like, the stiffer rear end, the stiffer front end, trying to, you know, make sure teams could reuse these cars and be able to keep going without, you know, going broke in the middle of the season. Not saying, like, a team would actually go broke, but you get the gist of what I'm saying, you know, budget issues, crash cars cost a lot, Um, but... I mean, we saw with Kurt Busch, you know, at, at Pocono, a crash that, you know, maybe with the Gen 6 car would have been just like, OK, yeah, I crashed, whatever, backup car, let's, you know, go to the next race, let's go on, you know, ended up, I mean, pretty much ending his career, you know, or Alex Bowman, you know, in, in the playoffs at Texas where, you know, just hit the the wall with his rear end and. I mean, he was out for a few races. So I think that was like a wake-up call, you know, to everybody in the sport of like, whoa, okay, you know, this is safe, but we need to like do some different things. And I think NASCAR did a real good job last season with, you know, just the fixed-up rear end, you know, where it was crumpling a little bit more, the front end's crumpling a little bit more, just some of the changes to protect drivers. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah. Racing is never safe, hundred percent. If we, if it was, we'd all be racing go karts at, at at the amusement park, you know. Like, yeah, and that's the thing is, I think that's in a way, at like a core level, what makes it so compelling in a way is yeah. knowing that these guys are willing to do whatever it takes to make sure they win and they're the fastest. Yeah, and I like, I mean. Like I said, working in hockey, it's just like people forget that there are skates on their feet. Like it, there's so much that can go wrong in different sports that after maybe 15 years of nothing happening, people forget. Mm-hmm. And it's then when that happens, the league or the organization kind of lightens things up. And then you remember why it was instituted in the first place. Yeah. So it's, it really is great to see that although there are still some injuries in NASCAR, for the most part, you know, when you watch a race, 
everybody's going to be okay when all said and done. Big time. Like that's really a big relief because I remember kind of growing up, there were some moments where you're like, I, I don't know. Yeah. And like, I remember, I think we were in a call uh, October, in October 2011, watching the IndyCar race. Oh, yeah. But I don't want to go, I'm not going to go too much into that. But I remember that feeling and it was tough. And mm. I think in the end, that's kind of what pushed me away from racing in a while was mm -hmm. after that, it was kind of hard to stick with it after witnessing something like that. And yeah. Yeah. It, but it's been 13 years, as weird as that sounds. Uh, yeah. And like, it seems like motorsport in general has gotten a lot safer, like F1. Yeah, mm -hmm. a few big crashes like Roman Grosjean a few years ago. I do remember that. And that was terrifying in its own right. Um, and I think that was a big wake-up call for F1 as well. Like, mm -hmm. it, And especially for broadcasting, I feel like that changed like their mindset of why are we continuously showing this replay when we don't know if this guy's okay? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, to me, like a big deal because if, especially in a sport, motorsport specifically odds are the family's not going to be there they're not going to be in attendance they're going to be at home watching and mm. the last thing they want to see is seeing somebody they love potentially getting hurt or worse multiple multiple times yeah yeah uh yeah exactly i mean yeah and Sorry yeah, for it's, it's 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 a blessing <laughs> it, it it's a it's a blessing you know that like the sport is because i mean I would even say NASCAR now and motorsports with just everything they've done is almost safer than, you know, like sticking ball sports, almost like you talk about like football or, you know, other sports, you know, where you always hear about it's, it's routine to have an injury reserve list of guys who are out with a hamstring injury or something, or he pulled something or, you know, tore an ACL or whatever, whereas in NASCAR, it's like, you know, if, if a driver gets injured, you know, on the track in competition, it's like, whoa, oh my gosh, yeah, it's a like, big deal. it's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. And everywhere yeah. else, it's just kind of routine. Like, and it's kind of crazy how we've kind of been conditioned to think of that as normal. <laughs> yeah. I know. And, and I mean, for a sport, you know, where you're doing, you know, 180, 190, 200, 210, 230 when talking about IndyCar that like it's safer than like a sport where you're just running around or you're just like throwing yeah. a ball or something. It's like, I mean, it's a mark of a human achievement. Yeah. And I think part of it too, part of the reason why is because yes, there's competition involved, but it's not necessarily like you versus me. Mm -hmm. It's you versus 38 of us or 39. I don't remember how many... There's 40 drivers now, right? Uh, yeah, uh, 36 uh, charter teams. And, yeah. Got you, 36. What I, I remember is 43. Like, that's the number right. that always stuck in my head. And, <laughs> like, it's been a while since they've had that. I know that. But, mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it, too, is it's you're not really, like, fighting against one person in particular. You're all kind of battling each other. So yeah. it leads to a little more respect, I think. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's it's you versus the machine and you versus driver and you versus the track. You know, you're trying to battle all three of those components. And, like, 
uh like you said with the respect i think you know stuff like i mean in other sports there's examples similar to this but you know like right rearing someone is a no-no you know and kind of like you know it's kind of for someone out there who you know maybe like a football fan it's it's kind of like you know how helmet to helmet hits are a no-no you know yeah or uh i guess you you could say yes or no like uh beaning someone you know if you're a pitcher whatever in in baseball yeah and there's a lot of examples of that in hockey in particular because as the only sport that doesn't suspend people for fighting, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot that goes into that. And like the example always pops to mind for me, I forget, I think it was like 2004-ish. I wasn't really watching at the time because I was a kid, but uh, the Steve Moore, Todd Bertuzzi incident where, I don't know if you know about this, but basically the gist of it was Moore threw a hit on a key player for the Vancouver Canucks back at that point in one game, and Bertuzzi was one of the tougher players on Vancouver, and he kept trying to fight more. Mm-hmm. And apparently they did fight once, I think, and he didn't think it was enough. So the rule is, if you throw a hit like that, you answer to the person on the other team to kind of equal it out. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do that. So eventually what that led to was Bertuzzi ended up sucker punching him, Oof. and more got I believe paralyzed as a result because everybody dogpiled on top. And that's why those unwritten rules are so important because if somebody doesn't follow it, it throws everything out of the loop. Basically like it makes it a free for all. And like, I'm sure if somebody did write rear someone in NASCAR, it would not go over very well. Yeah. I mean, a great example of that was uh, last year, uh, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott were racing each other. Denny Hamlin squeezed, chase into the wall because Danny got a little tight. Um, and after that, I mean, chase just hung a left into Danny and, and put him in the wall. I mean, Denny was okay, but I mean, when you look at that incident and you look back 22 years prior at that same exact spot, um, there was a wreck between, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Carrie Earnhardt and blaze Alexander. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, where, I mean, Carrie and Blaze, it was just a total racing incident. I think it was um Carrie got loose or something out the corner, brushed off the wall, got into Blaze. Blaze went in the same exact angle as Denny did that day in the Coca-Cola 600 in that race and that wreck with Chase. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's like, man, like that that's again, like you said, like it's why we have those unwritten rules in place and NASCAR suspended him and did, you know, the appropriate action. But yeah, it's like, that's why you have it in place. It just reminds you of just the gravity of it. Yeah. And like the key part about it is the reason it's unwritten is because it comes from either the players or the drivers. They made these rules for themselves. It's not something that was instituted by the organization, which is some people think it's an outdated system and everything should be in a rule book. But I think if everything's in the rule book and everything can be handled outside, it leads to more problems in the long run, realistically. Yeah. Boys have at it and have a good time, but don't step yep. over the line. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of, they you can push the envelope a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> exactly. Like, like mm-hmm. you got to know your limit. And some people, as we've seen in NASCAR, 
had a struggle finding that limit at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I like I remember uh I don't, is he still NASCAR? I remember he was an IndyCar and I think he went to NASCAR. Santino Ferrucci, is he still hanging around? He, he does I I he did occasional starts with Sam Hunt Racing. Um he's not doing as much anymore just because he's focused more on IndyCar, but yes, he was, yeah. I remember he had a lot of people upset with him when he was first coming up because he was considered almost unsafe to be around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, that that's that's a big thing. I mean, with drivers when they're younger, I mean, you've seen in in some of the development series like. You just kind of got to I mean, to some extent, some drivers come up clean, some drivers not as much, but you kind of just get it out of your system. I mean, we saw with guys like, you know, Kyle Busch, for instance. I mean, yeah. all like the plethora of incidents, like the first decade he was in the sport is just, I mean, you look at that and you go, what, how in the world did he ever, you know, continue in the sport? But I mean, you know, it's something you just got to work through. Because I mean, like, like we've seen, Kyle Busch has become a, a two-time champion and he's, you know, one of the, most respected veterans in the garage. And actually I would say just based off of the consensus of like the garage area and just observations, he's actually turned into like one of the cleanest drivers on the track now, which is wild to say, obviously, you know, knowing like the history early on, but yeah, I mean, just that early, like you just got to get out of your system, you know? Yeah. And I feel like with Kyle Busch, Part of the reason that got blown out of proportion was because of who the incidents were against in some cases. Yeah. Like Dale Earnhardt Jr. in particular. Yeah. Ron Orday. Yeah. I mean, it's when you have those very popular drivers and they're like intense fans, anything you do gets amplified by a hundred. <laughs> like, because if he had done that to Reed Sorensen, <laughs> who, as you probably remember, for some reason, was my favorite driver growing up. I don't I remember, remember why. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. Uh, but uh, if that happens, people aren't going to make a big deal out of it. They're like, oh, that was stupid. Okay, move on to the next. But when it's the most popular driver, mm-hmm. it's going to carry some weight with it, no matter <laughs> what. And uh-huh. I, think, I think that's part of the issue he had. <laughs> yeah, because I remember, I think Junior was like, man you know so he said something he's like i don't know but i know kyle's gonna need security getting out of this place and he said it with like a sly smirk that was just like his dad or dale jr said it was funny <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember what it was but i remember there was something like around that time frame where like during driver introductions one of the drivers even said something about kyle bush <laughs> yeah, brad kozlowski 2010 yeah. bristol uh, uh kyle bush is a <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I, my memory's still there somewhat, but it is about fourteen years out of date. So, <laughs> and that's enough, that takes us back to another thing we were talking about before we came on the air. It was it was weird to me looking through the driver list and seeing how many people I still recognized. Yeah, <laughs> like it, there. It seems like there's been some new names that have come in, but for the most part, it seems like a lot of it's just kind of the same as always. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like you have guys like. Kyle Larson, who have moved from Chip Ganassi Racing over to Hendrick Motorsports. 
you have guys like uh, Martin Truex Jr., for example. You can move from Furniture Row to Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, you have Brad Kozlowski, who's starting his own, who started his own team a couple of years ago, and you know went from Penske to there. I mean, Joey Logano, of course, you know, really broke out and saved his career at Penske. Um, Kyle Busch, of course, the big one. I mean, that whole saga in, in 2022, eventually leading to RCR in 2023 and winning with RCR, kind of proving the naysayers wrong. Um, I mean, they're different drivers in different places. Yeah. And like, it's that's actually something that I've noticed too. It's, kind of standard around most motorsports it's even f1 is kind of the same thing it's just i feel like they get a little more cycled out just because there's only 20 spots but mm. there's a lot of the same drivers are just there kind of forever and then eventually they just leave when they retire uh-huh. for the most part they just kind of stick around <laughs> yeah it's and i guess it's a little bit different too than other sports because these guys can keep going until they're in their 50s if they want to like they can start Gotta come into the uh, like, na- what is it now? Xfinity series. I always say nationwide. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the Xfinity series. I mean, you got a lot of underdogs there, or, or not underdog. Well, underdogs. Um, what was I trying to say? Uh, ro- rookies, like rookies, <laughs> prospects, uh, up and comers, not underdogs. I well, I guess, I guess a rookie. <laughs> in is a way, a, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, in a way, you know. Yeah, I'm not telling them to win anything. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, we can make a technicality here, you know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like I remember, like you could come into the Xfinity series at 18, be in the Cup by your early to mid 20s, and then be there for almost 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's crazy to see that some guys are continuing to do that because I remember. Growing up, there were some like Mark Martin, for example. We're like, when is this guy gonna retire? <laughs> like, I know here for forever. And now it's kind of weird seeing the people who were young when we were watching that. They're kind of doing the same thing. They're just like, okay, oh, I'm here. I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Joey Logano and you know guys like that. Yeah. Yeah, or even like Kyle Busch. He's been. Yeah. Didn't he make his? Actually, I'm probably way wrong with this, but didn't he make his like Xfinity? level debut in like the like 2001 2002 area uh, to that yeah 2003 because he raced the oh. the nemco 87 with the uh, ditech i remember okay yeah so i actually got a question i thought i was originally gonna say like 1998 and i'm like that's not right <laughs> that's <laughs> not right <laughs> but uh yeah, it's just that's one thing I feel like probably brings a little bit of comfort to the sport as well is knowing you're going to have the same names, same faces in some capacity every year. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And I mean, I'm sure, and I remember it was a huge deal when somebody does decide to retire, even if they're not running at the front anymore. It's like, wait, he's gone? Like, this is weird. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not used, I'm used to him. <laughs> yeah. like, like, for example, like we were mentioning Bush, he's been around almost our entire lives. <laughs> Yeah, this will be Kyle Busch's. Wow, um, this is crazy to say. This will be Kyle Busch's twentieth full time season. Yeah, and it of course he was around before that too, and it's just kind of like Kevin Harvick came in in two thousand one, and it's like we 
because obviously you don't remember the first few years of your life. For us, we don't remember NASCAR without them. Yeah. So oh yeah. It's definitely be weird when that time comes, and it's like, okay, well, they're done. Like, who's next? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. yeah the, I remember. Yeah. Well, being a a big Jeff Gordon fan back in the day, like when I was a kid. Uh, when right right before I really started doing stuff with the race experts again, like I remember I had a little bit where I was a Gordon fan and yeah, seeing him retire in 2015 was like, whoa, what do I do now? You know? Yeah. And I'm sure like as a journalist, that probably made your job a little bit easier when you got into it and started being there. <laughs> because like, mm-hmm. I will say that's another advantage I had when I started covering the Sharks is I didn't grow up a Sharks fan. So I don't yeah. have that tendency to want to be a fan, which yeah. is very hard for a lot of people to overcome, and it comes out in their writing. But for you, like since your favorite driver retired a few years before you got into it, it kind of probably gave you a little bit of an opening there. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, like Gordon is around the track a lot, you know, with, with Hendrick Motorsports and still in that role. And I, I think getting into it, you know, there there's a certain level of like, okay, I'm here. I'm a journalist. This is what I'm doing. This is my job. You know, like the, this is the approach we're going to take. You know, it's like that that's where your head instantly goes. And then like afterward, you know, like when you and I are talking, you know, just as buddies and hanging out and friends, you know, it's like, man, that, that was kind of cool. You know, like, the, yeah. you know, like my, the, the guy who I rooted for when I was a kid is, is someone who, is at the track, you know, while I'm doing my job here. That's pretty cool. You know, like I, I think of it like in the newsroom where I work in, there's a couple of people who uh, like grew up in New Mexico and watched KOB4, I'll give it a shout out. <laughs> um, yeah. And they watched like Steve Stucker, the, the weatherman, and they got to work with him one morning. And, you know, of course, when you, you know, you're at work, you put on the hat and you go, all right, let's, let's hand it over to Steve Stucker, you know, with the weather or whatever. But then like, once you get done, it's like, wow, I just did a show with Steve Stucker. That was pretty cool. I grew up watching yeah. him. And you kind of have a moment, you know, afterward where it's like, oh, wow, you know, like, hey, you're, you're pretty good at this. And, you know, we're in the sphere together. And I think it almost kind of brings that bond together. And there's a certain, there's a certain way to kind of go about it, you know, to where like, you don't, you know, cross that line of like, oh, he's being a fan or she's being a fan or they're being a fan and they're supposed to be a journalist. It's more like, a, okay, we know what we're here for. We've known each other in some capacity all this time. That's pretty cool, you know? Yeah. And like, I actually have a story of that myself. I've told it before yeah. on the Union Junction podcast, which is mm-hmm. a Columbus Blue Jackets podcast they do for the hockey writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in high school, I was kind of just writing for like this independent thing that me and my friends came up with and i sent my articles to somebody on twitter his name is mark shag people who know the hockey world they'll definitely know him (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh so he's one of the writers for the hockey writers i sent my stuff to him and asked him for feedback on it because i figured hey who better to ask than someone who does this on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and then about two years ago or so i got into the hockey writers mm-hmm. and I was writing for the blue jackets. So mm-hmm. I was writing alongside the person who helped me all this time throughout high school. And mm-hmm. it's just a really cool feeling. Just know yeah. things to kind of come full circle like that. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest thing you can talk about, too, with hockey is like it once and even in news, like when you get into covering these stories, you know, from an outside perspective, you think like, oh, my gosh, wow, this this person you talked to or like this and that and the other. But then I think the biggest thing you realize is when you go into it, there's people, you know, yeah, you're, you're talking to a person, you know, like someone who wakes up in the morning and, and puts their pants on both legs and brushes their teeth, hopefully. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, does their thing like we all do, you know, it, it's just people, you know. Yeah, and I think once you see them in person, it makes that a lot easier to do. Because, yeah. like, growing up, they feel more like movie stars and, like, mm-hmm. they're, like, characters more than anything. And that's why it's kind of tough as a member of the media to find that balance between, okay, I have to ask the tough questions, mm-hmm. but I also have to remember how I would feel if they're in their predicament. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to find that balance between being tough which is your job, but mm-hmm. being respectful. And I think, obviously, I'm sure you've probably noticed this before. Whenever something happens, people will reply like, why aren't you asking the tough questions? Why are you being yeah. polite on them? And it's basically comes down to the fact that they're people and you have to be respectful. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, and I think that's the beauty of like being a journalist is like sometimes there's some information that the public just doesn't need to know like we know internally that this is going on we don't need to share that it's not anything you know like we're holding back you know something damning that's going to lead to the impeachment of the president or something it's just something that we both know when we go into it it's like okay back your head don't ask about this you know this is something that is off limits or maybe just something that you know yeah, we already know about this. We kind of, you know, like that, that info of, yeah. And I think that's what, that's what separates like, you know, journalists from the general public. Yeah. It's just knowing that limit right there where you have to stop. And like, I know I'm not going to go in too much into this. I'm just going to say this one comment on the subject, then move away. But <laughs> like in NASCAR in particular, you have to be very careful. I feel like because there's the political element that enters the whole fold. And you have to kind of like, okay, I don't want to go into this. Let's just stay away from that. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like but, I remember, um, I remember, you know, when the LGB situation was going on, it was like, you know, you kind of want to, you know, know what's going on with, you know, is, you know, this particular driver going to be back? Is this particular driver going to be doing this or, you know, what's going on with it? But it's just like, ooh. You know, you just got to kind of, you know, yeah, there's I, I I boil it down to respect and just and just respecting the person you're talking to being tough, but respectful. Yeah. And then the other thing you have to remember, too, is sometimes people, they know something, but they're not allowed to say it. So pushing for it exactly. is not going to make a difference. Exactly. Yeah. Like the last thing you want to do is trick somebody into saying something and then getting them in trouble because the last thing they're going to do is talk to you again. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that's, I think that's especially magnified in NASCAR because, you know, it's such a tight knit, you know, community, you know, they, even if like you may know something, you may hear something or whatever, you know, you kind of have to just tread 
kind of yeah, lightly yeah. with it just because you know if if you want to talk to let's say like you know uh i don't know like uh kaz Gorala, you know or like yeah. uh you know uh a kyle larson or someone like that like in the future if you want that interview you want that story you know you have to I don't want to, I don't want to say play, play ball, but like, you have to, you have to be respectful again, respect, yeah. just be respectful. That's yeah. in, in general, be respectful. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good that's, advice every day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember, I don't, I'm pretty sure I remember this right. But I remember like when you guys at TRE first started doing like a lot of the coverage, I think there was one clip with Eric Almarola and Dominic. You remember the one I'm talking about? <laughs> I think like Dominic oh, man. mispronounced his name. <laughs> oh, I actually remember that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, and of course, like that's the thing is, it's like I feel like on most days, Eric Almirola would have been like, "Okay, it's fine, just like correct him kind of politely." But I think he was in a bad mood that day. It seemed like <laughs> and mm-hmm. he kind of snapped on it. It seemed like, and that's the thing you have to be careful with is you never know what moods these people are going to be in either. Like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, Respect. I'm sure him and, yeah. Him and Dominic are, I'm sure are fine now, but <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that clip, I was like, Oh, that's not good. <laughs> uh-huh. oh, yeah. yeah. And you know, um, you know, same thing with news. You know, it's like you go into a certain thing and say you have like an embargo on, you know, some information or whatever you, you know, go into it where sources are telling you certain things, but you just don't have that concrete confirmation. It's like brush past it, go past yeah. it, you know, and, and that's not, and to anybody listening, they may be like, well, you know, like you get something, you're supposed to like tell everybody about it. Well, it's just not how it works, you know. Like you, you just have to. Again, what well, what's the what's the golden word, SB? <laughs> it's respect. <laughs> it's respect. Yeah, it, it just and, boils down to respect. And I think a key part of that too is just because you hear something doesn't mean it's true. And that too, exactly. The, that's the thing is if. I hear something from a source that's not directly related to it, like a secondary yep. source until I get some sort of confirmation from someone who's directly involved with it. I'm yep. not going to say anything about it because like, okay, here's one for you. I don't know if you yeah. follow baseball at all, uh, but I actually was just talking about this on the first episode, which was recorded earlier today. <laughs> hmm. Shohei Otani. I don't know if you remember hearing about that, how they're like, Oh, he's on a plane to Toronto. He's going yeah. to Toronto. And then also like, oh, he's in LA. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that's what happens if you don't take that extra time and you want to be first. Yeah. It's like so many people got mad about that. But mm-hmm. if say he was going to Toronto and mm-hmm. they didn't say it, they'd be like, Why didn't you tell me that information two hours ago? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. And I'm glad you I'm glad you said that because that that is that is ultimately I, I'm so sorry like some some of the things I'm thinking of I'm just like trying to access in my brain I'm like oh man like uh after a work day I'm like oof but um yeah, yeah that that's basically what it is like all sorts of rumors fly I mean you know you remember Jayski Stilly season site back in the day where 
uh, it was like, you know, you heard some of the wildest rumors, but, you know, it was all in an environment where I was like, okay, when you come to this place, if you see something, it's a rumor. And there was always a question mark after it that was like, maybe this will happen. And then they always confirmed or denied it, you know, and yeah. obviously, I mean, that's just journalism 101 is, you know, confirm with two sources. And if you can't, then don't put it out there. Don't talk about it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes even that, like sometimes two isn't enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it really just depends on the quality of your sources, which yep. I'll say at the moment, like I don't have many at all. <laughs> so like I, that's why I don't really break anything or try to break anything is because that's not the position I'm in. And yeah. I think when you're in any type of sports journalism, people kind of expect you to want to be like that insider who knows everything as soon as it happens and you're breaking yeah. the news. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool. But I don't have any general manager's phone numbers to text them like, Hey, what are you doing? Like, are you training somebody today? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I can't do that. Like, but I can pretend I can. Uh-huh. And like we were talking about, you know, it's like, when you first get in, it's just like, you got to build yourself up. And that's the same thing you build up. I mean, this is just in general for journalism, you build up those sources, you build up that information, you build up that know-how, you build up that trust. I mean, that's just how you get better. And it's, it's a grind, but it's worth it, you know? And again, two quality sources, then you can put it out there. Three, four, five, six. If you got the whole world confirming it. Yeah. Pretty good. And it's not really like, museum anymore, but <laughs> I mean, you never know. It just depends on who tweets it out first. <laughs> yeah, with quality sources. Yeah, and like that's the one thing I will also give advice to anybody who wants to get into like sports journalism mm. is make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons. Yeah, this isn't a career that's going to make you super famous or make you a ton of money, like a lot of people think it will. It's mm. It might eventually, if you get very lucky, be like the top 1% of people who do it mm-hmm. and you just happen to meet the right people at the right time. But for most people, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be mm. difficult. It's not yeah. going to be easy. Like, yeah. And, and like, I don't think that's anything to like to discourage people. I think it's it really is like you got to love it. You got to yeah. have a passion for it. Labor of love. Yeah, do it because it's what you enjoy doing, not because mm-hmm. you want something to come from it. Yeah. Like, I did what I'm doing now for free for a long time. And, like, that wasn't an issue for me because I enjoyed what I was doing and I did it as a hobby. And it turned into a little bit of a freelancing type thing, basically, at this point. And that's what makes it fun is the fact that I worked so hard to get here and I feel like I deserve where I've gotten, even Mm -hmm. though I didn't expect it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, absolutely. That's truly what makes it worth it is putting in the hard work and kind of building yourself up because generally that's what you do is just try to put out the best content, try to be the most informative as possible and just, like for me in particular, I feel, and I'm sure you feel the same way about NASCAR, is mm-hmm. my job is kind of to try to help grow the sport in a way and mm-hmm. make it enjoyable for everybody. Like that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
build the sport and yeah. Which I feel like NASCAR, I'm hearing a lot more about it than I used to. I feel mm. like, I don't know if everybody thinks that's the case, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I know a few years ago there were some concerns on that front, but I feel like now it's kind of, I think it partly ties into the popularity increase in F1. Just mm-hmm. motorsport in general is starting to get a little more uh, popular in the U.S., which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I mean, now NASCAR has, you know, a new Netflix documentary coming out, which really, I mean, looking ahead to the 2024 season, like, I think that might really spur some growth in the sport, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what they need to do is because as fans, what I feel like they want to see a lot is behind the scenes stuff that they don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember there was this series that came out a few years ago. Uh, I think it was like a road to the playoffs thing for the Toronto Maple Leafs on Amazon Prime. And like seeing players get notified that they're getting traded or sent down or all that stuff, it makes you remember like how difficult even being in the front office <laughs> of a sports <laughs> team is. Like, I personally don't know if I could do that because you're basically telling a person, hey, I'm taking away your millions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's, it's tough. <laughs> it is tough, yeah. And yeah. So I feel like we've mainly talked on the media side of things, <laughs> which I'm sure for some people is going to be great because I feel like not many people really know what the job is like unless you do it. Mm-hmm. But we should. Pro- what I'm going to do now is kind of transition it back over to the NASCAR side of things. So three predictions from me right off the top. Who are going to be your champions in the Cup Series, Xfinity, and Truck? Ooh. <laughs> Star, oh, man. Start me off with the tough questions. Yeah. Well, oh, man. Well, I I think in the Cup Series, to start off with, I mean, I'll look at some of my playoff guys. I'll just kind of rattle off some names here. You got Ross Chastain. You got Kyle Larson, Brad Kozlowski, Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Brian Blaney. Chris Busher, Martin Tricks Jr., Christopher Bell, Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, William Byron, Tyler Reddick. Then also guys like, you know, Alex Bowman. I think maybe Eric Jones. You know, they have a new partnership with uh, Toyota. Legacy Motor Club does. I think he has a good shot of making the playoffs this season and breaking through and really, you know, uh, being able to show his talent a little bit more, especially with just the support they're going to be getting. Um, as far as a champion, though, I mean, every year you'll get at least a few people saying Denny's going to win it this year. He's going to break through. And I mean, he's been so close so many times that it feels like eventually he has to win one of these championships. And Phoenix is a great racetrack for Denny. Um, So I think Denny instantly jumps off the page as like the championship favorite to me, at least. Um, I think like you have a guy like Kyle Larson who last year, I mean, he was in the mix until the he turned it up at the very end, you know, and and maybe just didn't have the most he could have had at Phoenix. I mean, he was very close on a day where maybe he didn't have the fastest car, but his pit crew had the fastest, you know, speed on pit road, you know, like. So, I mean, you always got to look out for Kyle Larson. I mean, a guy like Ross Chastain, you know, who I mean, he was he said to himself, he was the disruptor at Phoenix winning the race while Ryan Blaney won the championship, you know, and, um, I, you know, 
and he's another guy too is you know joey logano as well you know what's he gonna do i know he faltered in the playoffs but i mean it just it's wild even years joey logano always seems to rise to the occasion um and then i'm you have guys like christopher bell who have you know, made the championship for the last two years. And he's always a fast driver, a guy like William Byron as well, you know, and honestly, I think that's, you're asking for a pick. Uh, I'm going to go with William Byron. I think he over Denny Hamlin even is the championship favorite going into the season, just with the performance he had last year, how he was good on every track, how he was able to, because in the past, you know, Byron really started off the season well, you know, in seasons like 2021, 2022 looked good right off the bat. Like he was a championship favorite and then he fell off and didn't really show much later in the season. But it felt like in 2023, he got over that hump where he was able to perform really well, be there at the very end. I mean, races like the Roval where, or Texas where he won, you know, where it didn't feel like he was, you know, a winning car all day, but he ran fourth or fifth and just was capitalized at the end. You know, he's good at Phoenix as well. So, I mean, William Byron, he's, he is lightning right now, lightning in a bottle, I would say. And I, I'd say he would be a very solid championship pick. Um, You asked for the three. Let me follow up on that one real quick before we get off of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's my follow up for that. Yeah. Will Will Denny Hamlin win a championship before he retires? Um, man, honestly, I'll I'll say this much: if you can get to Phoenix and you're good enough on that particular day, anything could happen. You know, like I mean, Ryan Blaney is a good example of that. Uh, Joey Logano is a good example of that. You know, it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not gonna say no. I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. <laughs> okay, you think it's possible, but not a guarantee by any stretch. Yeah, I, and I think that just comes from you know you look in the past, like a guy like Kevin Harvick who won in 2014, and it was like, all right, Harvick's the new dynasty. You know, he's gonna win a couple championships more, and he won the last ten seasons without a single championship. I mean, not to his fault of anything. I mean, just the format being absolutely cutthroat, you know, it's, it's just the way things go. You have to, it, it's so it, right now, I would say the NASCAR cup series championship with the way it is. And the format is like, it's the hardest it's ever been to win, which I think some people like to say it, it kind of dilutes, you know, the meaning of the championship, but I think it almost kind of elevates it some because it's just so hard to win one, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of gotten to the point where it is for every other sport. I mean, in football, one bad game is all it takes and you lose the championship. Look at Tom Brady's Patriots beating when they lost to New York Giants, like after going undefeated (laughs) until that point. And then I have a funny story about not, not to interrupt, but that was the night I learned about gambling um, because <laughs> I, I think I was like seven or eight years old. And or before then, I, I reached in my NASCAR wallet and I was like, Dad, I bet you five bucks the New York Patriots or New York Patriots, New England Patriots, <laughs> New England Patriots 
are going to beat the New York Giants. And I was like, I bet you they're going to. I probably said New York Patriots as a little <laughs> seven-year-old, so I'm, I'm probably not far off. But uh, I reached in my wallet. And I was like, I bet you the Patriots are going to beat the Giants. And Dad was like, deal. I, I bet you. And it got down to the end, and the minutes ran down. And I remember... Uh, I can the the just dreadful sinking feeling of like what they didn't win and I was like I I think I tried making up some sort of excuse and my dad's like no no you lost you gotta hand over that money <laughs> yeah hard yeah. championship to win you know it is and I mean obviously it's not like baseball or hockey or basketball they can't do a best of seven races. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like you kind of one and done. That's the only option they really have. Although best of seven races between two drivers would be interesting to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Just give them like uh, 50 mile races. Go yeah. <laughs> see who wins. Uh -huh. that'd, be, that'd be an interesting experiment, actually. Uh, I don't think it's <laughs> logical in any form, but mm -hmm. it would be it'd be something. Just do it all in one day or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I can't. I can't imagine a sweep would go over very well in NASCAR. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I have to answer the other part of your question because you said yeah. champions in all three, and I went on a whole tangent about Cup. Oh man! <laughs> well, that is the one that there's the most information out there for. I would say so. The other two are probably going to be a little bit more of a toss-up. <laughs> yeah. Well, one guy right away off I can think of for the truck series, uh, Corey Heim. I mean. This guy, I mean, he's, uh, I know there was the incident at Phoenix. That was maybe not the best look for him and, you know, Carson Osovar, who was also involved. But, I mean, there's no denying Corey Heim is a very talented race car driver who's going to be around NASCAR for many years. I mean, he just signed a deal as a reserve driver for Legacy Motor Club as a part of their new Toyota deal. And, I mean, last season, he won the regular season championship even with missing a race and even in that race that he missed, he still did not lose the points lead. I mean, he was just wildly consistent, very fast, probably would have won the championship at Phoenix, if not for a couple ill-time cautions. So Corey, Corey Heim, I think is the favorite there. Uh, you look at the Xfinity series. I think it's interesting because John Hunter Nemechek is going to cup. You have a guy like Josh Berry going to cup. Um, but you still have guys like Justin Allgaier, uh, defending champion Cole Custer. You know, you have Sam Mayer, who really broke out last year, made the championship four, really turned it around. Um, you have Sammy Smith, who showed some speed, who's going to be a JRM car. Um, and, okay, I forget, Sheldon Creed and, and Chandler Smith in JGR rides. I mean, that's going to be crazy fast to watch. You know, you have a guy like Austin Hill and RCR who is close to make it to the championship four, if not for a whole kerfuffle with his teammate that <laughs> it, it led to some words said, we'll, we'll, we'll say that much. Um, and, and, you know, guys like Parker Klegerman as well, who kind of overachieved, you know, for what they did last year. And then guys like call, you know, the colleague guys, you know, or AJ Allmendinger's back. You know, and you have Shane Van Gisbergen, who's in the series. Josh Williams is first opportunity for, you know, really like a championship caliber equipment. 
So I think when you consider a championship pick for Xfinity, I'm going to throw out Chandler Smith because he looked fast right. in in the college racing cars. And, you know, just from what it seems like, just based off of comments that have been made uh, by drivers, Justin Haley, namely before he signed his deal with Rickwell Racing, uh, you know, JGR is much closer to Toyota than, you know, colleague, I think, was to Chevrolet. And Chandler Smith still went out there and was blazing fast in that 16 car. So I am beyond excited to see what he's going to do in a JGR car. All right. I think those are all pretty good picks, although my knowledge isn't that great. So (laughs) that's why you got me. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You're here to carry this whole thing because I have no idea what I would talk about when it comes to NASCAR if you weren't here. So, (laughs) all right. Here's another question for you in Cup Does Chevy repeat in the manufacturer championship? Do they repeat? I mean, that that's an interesting question too, because you know, you look at the off season where, you know, Toyota has announced a new model uh, for the Camry Ford has announced a new model for the Mustang. Uh, I mean, you almost wonder like what's going to happen. Like I, I look at Las Vegas, the first race after the two super speedway races or Atlanta, the quasi super speedway. Um, you know, you look at, like Las Vegas is a big unknown because, you know, back in, I remember, I think it was 2020 where Chevrolet came out with the new, the then new dive plane nose. And I mean, they came out of the gate swinging, you know, chase looked fast in that race, you know, guys like William Byron and others started to show more speed. But then you look at other instances, you know, like for example, the Toyota Camry in 2017, the new, the then new Toyota Camry in 2017, it took half a season for, you know, the Camry to catch on and, and Chevrolet look fast with the SS. And then all of a sudden halfway through the season, flip a switch, Toyota's fast and, and Chevrolet is not as fast anymore. So I, I, that that's a big unknown going into this season, you know, like, but yeah, uh, just just a big unknown. Do I think they repeat? Maybe. I mean, it, it's just it's a big unknown. You know, we won't really know until we get to Las Vegas. All right. So after Vegas, I'll have to reach out to you and ask you about that. And follow up on this. <laughs> ah, maybe maybe a little later in the season, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah after the last race. <laughs> ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. Like looking through everything with NASCAR, to me, it's just crazy how so much has changed, but so much remains the same at the same time. It's mm-hmm. really it's been great talking about all this because it's so much new information that I think at one point, like two years ago, when they first announced a new car, I like messaged you. I was like, hey, what do I need to know about NASCAR to try to get back into this? And then I yeah. completely blew it off afterwards, <laughs> <laughs> which oh, yeah. I mean. For, for those who know me, is very on brand. Uh, <laughs> like I'm, like I said, not always the most reliable. <laughs> but like, hey, you're you're doing good tonight. We'll say that. Thank you. Yeah, this 
speaking of which, uh, I feel like this conversation went a lot longer than we meant for it to. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. But I mean, hey, after not talking for eight years and definitely a lot of topics to cover here, I think we did a good job getting through it all. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think for now, I'm pretty much out of it. I know you're going to have quite a busy season coming up here and starts about 10 days, it looks like, with the Clash. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> the <laughs> wow. The off season has flown. I mean, I, like I mentioned, you know, working my day job it, that that keeps me very busy. You know, doing on air reports and digital producing and and whatnot. I mean, my gosh, like this week has been crazy. Uh, I'll say, um, you know, and so yeah, I'm just ready to get back into the season. And I mean, that. One thing I'm really excited for, I'll mention, is with the Clash, actually, they're bringing the NASCAR Mexico series up for that weekend uh, for special race there. It's going to be just as long as the Clash main event. I think caution laps count for that event. Uh, Fox Sports 1 is where you can find it. Uh, The Clash of the Coliseum is going to be on Fox. You can watch the heats on FS1 the day before. The Mexico series race will be on FS1 same day as the Clash, so Sunday. Um, but yeah, and then all leads up to the Daytona 500 and Speed Week. Yeah, and that's coming quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure it feels like yesterday was the championship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I I love it. God bless my mom and shout out to her. Like she always will message me and be like, "Hey, it's like this amount of days till Daytona or whatever." Or we'll be talking on the phone. She'll bring it up, and so that's cool. And actually, yeah. to look. We have Jeff Gordon number of days until the Daytona 500, 24. <laughs> and that tells you exactly when we're filming this, which is January 25th. And assuming I don't get lazy, it'll probably be out tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I timestamped. Okay, we'll say uh, we got we got Michael Jordan number of days until the Daytona. <laughs> Bubba Wallace, uh, Hutch Strickland. Well, well, the thing is, too, is it's probably best for me to get this out as soon as possible anyway, because as I mentioned earlier, Things are unpredictable, and everything we said in this podcast could become mostly useless by tomorrow. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you never like, know. Like I said about the Jeff Gordon number of days, that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> it's Michael Jordan number of days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either way, <laughs> it, it's it's if it's not the Daytona 500 yet, yeah, it, it, it we're we're taping this before the Daytona 500. We'll just boil it down to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, that's the one nice thing is if I get lazy, I have plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, I already edited episode one, so which will mm. also go up tomorrow. So I might as well just do two and one um, and try to get two out in the same day for the grand opening of the podcast. That's yeah. definitely what it's called the grand opening. <laughs> mm. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely not a debut or anything like that it's the grand premiere uh-huh. um, but uh i mean there's definitely a lot of things to see coming up in the next month or so and it's gonna be crazy to see how this all goes i'll do my best to try to keep up with it so next time i have you on i'll know what i'm talking about a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's oh, just fun i mean like yeah i mean it's great to be talking with you with a like 
not squeaker voice. <laughs> yeah, and Timmy's voice went in the complete opposite direction from that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Like, but it's been a long time, and we'll have to make sure it's not that long again. Absolutely. Uh, definitely, I'll try to catch up with you at some point during the season. I know you're going to be very busy, but we'll definitely I'll try to get you on whenever you have time. Absolutely. Going again. I love to. And, this uh, is fun. Yeah. And I'll expect you and everybody listening to make sure that I pay attention to NASCAR this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'll message like, you on X, Twitter, X formerly known as Twitter, whatever they're calling it this week. Like, I mean, and Facebook. And I mean, we're on every social media together. So <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> yeah. I did get the Zoom link from Messenger. So I'll just spam yeah. your Messenger and be like, yeah. William. SP. I'll just alternate between your first name and your last name. William. SP. <laughs> William. SP. I'll drop a yeah, word in there as well. Yeah. I'll like I feel like my biggest issue is I'll probably just have to record stuff because I know it's not the easiest to rewatch stuff after it's happened, I don't think, right? Like yeah. pretty rough. And to okay. some extent. I, I think you have that itch to get to the end because you're like, okay, this already happened. I want to go back on yeah. Twitter again. And I will admit that's one thing that kind of uh I think that's probably the reason why NASCAR didn't really stick with me when I got older. It's just the time it takes. Because <laughs> mm. it's very long, especially some of the races. It like if you have a bunch of cautions and it just kind of it gets rough. <laughs> yeah. I learned that when I think I was trying to get to work one day. And like I was just winding the race to end, and there was like caution after caution after caution. Or like one time I was on a plane, like watching a race, and it got down to the very end. It was like ten to go, and I was just about to land. I was like, "Perfect, this race is gonna end. I'm gonna land. It's perfect." And then a crash happened, and then another crash happened, and then I'm running to my gate, and I find out who won the race, and I'm like, "Oh my." <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Like it, there's always something going on that makes it a little chaotic. It feels like, and for me, like I usually work Sundays unless I have a hockey game. But even then, sometimes I work Sundays. Like this, well, this is also going to date this. This Saturday, I have a double because the Sharks are playing at one, and then their minor league team, the Barracuda, are playing at six. So that's going to be a oh long day. But like. <laughs> That's one thing that makes it easier for me to like keep up with hockey is you know like after about two and a half hours it's gonna be over no matter what <laughs> you're like okay it's done like we're good <laughs> yeah you get to playoffs and you get like four overtimes and uh, I'm not looking forward to that again like I like the playoffs don't get me wrong it's great but after one overtime it's like okay I, I just want to go to bed <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but. So it's been great talking to you. We'll have to catch up here soon. Uh, Probably shouldn't take go too much longer before we lose everybody's attention. So (laughs) if we haven't already, hello to all the people who are out there still listening. God bless you and keep you always. Yeah, sticking through all the media talk and then (laughs) a little bit of NASCAR (laughs) at the end, right there. But, (laughs) But yeah, like. Thanks to everybody who listened. I will see you next time and have a good night or day or whatever it is for you. Wherever you're watching. I don't know how, to stop. <laughs> I don't know how to stop the recording. Uh, I'm leaving this in because why not? Bye. Yeah.
Music used is Feeling Good by Kevin McLeod with Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Uh, more information in the description.